that's kind of how I view what's happening. And I view that we have the capability to really make change. And a lot of it has to happen through consciousness expansion. I believe we're going through a psychic evolution in which more and more people are becoming psychic. And what I joke about is that not everybody wakes up happy. So waking up or awakening is fine and dandy if you've been planning for it. But I experience a lot of people who suddenly find themselves overwhelmed because they're so empathic and they don't even know what that is. This is like a dream come true for me. I've been integrating Sally into my life and my family's lives and my friends' lives for over a decade now. Yeah. Yeah. Even longer. Yeah. She's been to the farmhouse um, to do seances and group readings and uh, teach Reiki. Teach Reiki. Yeah. Reiki retreat there. Um, saw my grandma and my grandfather, great grandmother, um, tucked her in at night. So mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like, oh, you did a you did a family seance too for us. Um, yeah, right after you got rid of your grandmother's stove. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was one of the first things that came up, and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Still hearing about that one. Um, but now we have another, we have an industrial kitchen stove there. So I think, I think she's happy now. Um, but no, Sally has been a part of <clears throat> my life and my journey um, on this path and has um, been very inspiring to me. She is a psychic medium from the Northeast Kingdom and um, has, you follow your Irish and Black heritage Uh, Irish traveler actually so Irish travelers are a minority group in Ireland um they're nomadic or they were nomadic so when we think of um traveling people they're really called the travelers or tinkers which was the term that my grandmother used when I was little is that she would tell me that her father was a tinker and as a kid I thought that meant that I don't know he fiddled with things <laughs> right <laughs> yeah but it's it's more of like a, a gypsy yes yeah so um irish travelers are not as nomadic now as they were but they would the comparison that most people would think of as a gypsy is an irish gypsy um and i am mostly irish but I follow, spiritually follow my um, my great-grandmother's line, which is where my gifts come from. And that is her father was an Irish traveler and her mother was, a, was Blackfoot. So um, that's where my teachings come from. That's where my upbringing came from. It was the culture that my family mm, embraces the most. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And she is an author. You have a spirit speaker out yet? It comes out April 18th. April 18th. 
So that will be your third. But Jump Girl, which my sister Lindsay has right now, is amazing. Your first book, Elemental Witchcraft. Um, is the, the path of elemental witchcraft, actually, because there are two books that are on the market that are called elemental witchcraft. And mine is the path of elemental witchcraft. The other one is um, by a woman named Heron Michelle, which is a totally different book than mine. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And is there anything else you'd like to add in your introduction? Um, I have worked professionally as a psychic medium for over 30 years. I have been aware of my gifts since I was about three or four years old. My great grandmother was my first teacher and I grew up with it being very normal. Like we didn't use words like psychic, but my grandmother would say things to me like spirits talk to you, Sally. It's okay. Um, sometimes, you know, things, Sally, <laughs> I'd be like, so it was very casual. It wasn't until I was in junior high that I started, it actually was watching, um, the dead zone with Stephen by Stephen King, where the guy comes out of his coma. And that was the first time I had heard the word psychic. And also interestingly enough, I was only about 12. And I remember thinking, I don't want my gift to be like that. I wanted it to be something that blossomed and that I embraced instead of have it come on in this sudden, like overpowering way. It kind of had that jump up for the November incident, which is in um, Jump Girl, where it did go. But I had a lot of advancement before I got to the point where I got to have the volume turned up so high that I questioned my own sanity. <laughs> hmm. Would you like to start there and, and talk sure. about gifts, your gifts came and how you were able to set some boundaries? Um, so first of all, I was talk about what happened with my spirit, my gifts opening. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. How you started to notice them and integrate them. So I actually integrated them in my life, my entire life, like mostly like I did see spirits. I did know things. Um, my sister and I both are psychic and she's a year and a half younger than me. Um, and so if I saw something and said, I saw it, she could see it too. And my grandmother was psychic. So there was a lot of comfort and it did feel really normal. It was talked about the same way as telling me that I had blue eyes and dark hair, you know? Um, and I was reading cards for the public by the time I was 18 years old. So, and it was never something that I was nervous about. Like at that point in my life, I was a designer. I designed clothing, uh, mostly costumes and really cool hippie clothes. I had, um, so I was more concerned with being judged on my art than I was on my psychic ability. I just did the psychic stuff. It was just like there. And I've had multiple stores. I've, you know, I started reading for the public again when I was about 18 years old. And when I was 30, I was a Reiki master in three schools of Reiki by then. And that's when I had what I call the November incident, which was when the volume of my abilities went 
through the roof. And I literally had multiple spirits talking to me all the time. I was having um, kundalini, full-on kundalini openings (laughs) multiple times a day. That is not fun. Um, It kind of felt like I described that experience as being um, scrubbed down with a Brillo pad or steel wool and sprayed with a fire hose, like never been as clean in my life because, you know, all of a sudden, and I, I was lucky. One of the spirits that started communicating with me was Adam, who has been my doorman for many, many years. He's the spirit guide that watches my back when I'm doing um, spirit communication for people. And he was my youngest sister's best friend. So I knew him, but I didn't know him well enough to know all his stories. So finally I was able, and we had known each other in past lives, which explained why I really always loved him, even though I didn't really, you know, have a connection to any of my sister's other friends. Um, And it was important that he play the role that he did because I could get confirmation to the things that I was getting for information. So having that contact, because he would tell me like random things like conversations him and my sister had in a diner or, you know, that I finally was able to call her and be like, hey, does this make sense to you? And so that was really helpful that I knew I wasn't going crazy because the experience I was having was legitimate. Um, but I was actually taught by spirit. Like I had a whole team of spirits that were teaching me, blowing my doors open. And I am incredibly thankful. I've had, um, I've been in a relationship with the same person for 33 years. So, you know, we've been married 30 years this February. And if my husband wasn't as solid of a person as he was, I may have been taken to a hospital for some of the stuff that was happening to me. And I would have been medicated. They would have thought I was having a mental breakdown. Um, And it would have been handled really poorly. And in my work going forward, I am a person who a lot of people who are having spiritual opening end up in my, in my circle because they can see that they're not crazy or I can help them to see that they're not crazy, that this is actually something that's happening to them. Um, my first book, Jump Girl, when it came out, I didn't expect to see so many highlighters and pieces of paper shoved in my book that every time somebody comes to see me, cause it's a memoir, um, spirit speaker, the initiation and art of, uh, sorry, jump girl, the initiation and art of a spirit speaker. So it's talking about my life growing up psychic and my opening. And what I found was that people come to me all the time. They read that book and they're underlying things because they had that experience and they didn't have anybody to explain to them what that experience was. So they're like reading my book and going, oh my God, I now know I'm not crazy or I now know that this is an actual legitimate thing. So um, yeah, that's kind of where I started. Yeah, and when I read it, I felt the same way. I felt, oh, I'm not crazy. (laughs) Yeah. And what a gift that is to like have a different perspective of, um, of, 
mental, you know, well-being, mental health, um, of it being actually a gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel so often that in today's world, so many people are are disconnected from their gifts because we we see it as like crazy or you know unhealthy in like our mental sphere. And I think you know that all of us have these gifts, and if we had the support that we needed or the validation that that you had on your journey, which is so mm-hmm. incredible, then we would all, I think like, the world would be a completely different place and I in such so a beautiful too. way. And one question I have for you is for people that don't have that validation as they're going through their journey. And maybe they do think they're kind of losing it or they're, you know, falling to that indoctrination that so many of us have been pulled into that what we're experiencing is cuckoo or crazy. And I may have shared this story before on an episode, but I remember standing in the bathroom with my partner and we were talking about spirituality and I looked at him and I said, don't you hear the voices? And in that moment, there was this like, wow, I have to get through this layer that's been put on me of feeling like a crazy person for saying that. I'm thinking of all the movies that I've seen, all of the, you know, inundated, like all of the stuff that just makes us feel like that's not okay. And so I guess my first question is, what do you say to the people that don't have that validation on their journey? And my second question is, what does it feel like when you have these experiences? Do you hear voices? Do you see things? Do you feel things? What is that like for you? And can you explain it a little bit? So answer to the first one is that psychology has even changed. I actually have worked out of a building that was a counselor's building. And they I worked there because they called me and asked me if I would come take an office in their building. Okay. Wow. I see a ton of counselors, therapists, psychiatrists, doctors, nurses. So things are changing. Um, not one of the things that is interesting is one of my friends teaches at, or I think he retired, but he taught abnormal psychology for many, many years. And he used to use me as an example And he would say that sometimes when people are hearing voices, they are. Okay. Psychology has changed its idea of when hearing voices is unhealthy. If those voices are telling you to do things that are harmful to you or others, that's when you really want to question it. I never had spirits that were telling me things that were harmful. I'd also like to add to this that in my experience of working with people who are having psychic openings. It is not a commonplace thing for a person to pull dark spirits to themselves. This is a sensationalized thing that comes out of bad movies and religious dogma. Whenever I meet somebody who believes that they are possessed by demons, because I do meet them, they are always somebody who was raised in a restrictive religious background that does not fit them, that has told them that the voices they're hearing are demons. Um, That's, first of all, that's not a common thing. Most of the time when somebody has something attached to them, it's a thought form attachment that comes out of a fractured part of their consciousness due to trauma. Okay, and it is a in many ways a figment of their imagination. It doesn't mean it's not real, but it's not a demon. 
So I like to clear that up because people get really nervous about the idea of spirit communication. I specialize in working with beloved dead. Okay. Which means just that these are our loved ones in spirit. So I think that one of the things if somebody's having an opening that is very helpful for them is to remember that the spirits that are around us, it's like living people, you know? Yeah, there are some real terrible people out there, but the majority of people are good. It's the same thing with spirits. And in many cultures, it's very common for us to communicate with our spirits. I think it's helpful if you're having that kind of opening and you don't have somebody to talk to, to ask yourself whether the spirits are telling you things that are harmful to you or others. And the other thing that is helpful is to read, you know, um, my book, Spirit Speaker, the um, A Medium's Guide to Death and Dying, the one that comes out in April, answers the questions that I've been asked by all of my clients over my years of service. So it talks about what happens when we die and it talks about um, how spirits communicate with us. And it talks about how long we should wait after traumatic death and all of those kind of things. So books are helpful. Journaling is also helpful, keeping track of the messages that are coming through. And the other thing that I would say is take the words maybe, kind of, and think so out of your vocabulary when it comes to spirit communication. If you say, oh my God, I think I just saw my grandmother, rephrase that and say, I just saw my grandmother. And you will feel it. You will know whether that was a true statement or not. And chances are, if you're even saying, I think I just, or maybe there was something, Take those doubtful words out because we can think thousands of thoughts in any given second. Why would you suddenly, out of the middle of nowhere, think that your dead grandmother's in the room with you, unless your dead grandmother's in the room with you? So one of the things I had to really get around was that when spirit was communicating with me, that nothing that they were telling me was too bizarre. Mm -hmm. So one of the first seances I ever did, I had a family and... They were talking to a dead grandfather and fa- our father, and he kept showing me a giant rooster. And I thought at first, like, what the hell is this? This is like, and finally I was like, look, he keeps showing me a giant rooster. And they all started laughing and told me that he had a giant rooster statue in his yard. <laughs> okay. So that was the most accurate piece of information the most personal piece of information that I could have brought forward. And most people wouldn't say it because they would be like, this is so ridiculous. Who would show me this? But it wasn't ridiculous. Wow. So, and I can't remember what your second question was. Um, My second question was, my second question, I didn't write it down. do either of you remember Ellen Richardson? And we were all lost in my it was how, how it feels. I think it was how it feels. Oh, right. Yes. Thank you. Oh, and how I experience spirit. Um, I am yeah. a multi-sensory medium, which means that I can feel them, see them with my visual eyes, hear them with my audible ears. They speak to me telepathically. They show me images in my mind. They can touch me, but I have rules against that. Um, I literally have rules against that because when I owned a bar years ago, I was goosed by a spirit and that was my like, you were not allowed to touch me. Like, Mm. that's not okay. But I can be, I could be touched by spirit and my spirits do. Um, And I can smell them. So like, it makes me a good teacher 
because whatever way the student is experiencing spirit communication, I can experience it that way too. So being a multi-sensory medium doesn't necessarily make somebody a better medium. It just means you have more avenues of communication that are open, but some pretty famous mediums are not multi-sensory mediums. You know, for example, if you've ever watched John Edwards, he will point to a section in the crowd and say, I'm feeling somebody over here who has this. And I've had students who've gone to see him and they're like, well, how come they could, he couldn't see that they were right behind that person wearing the green jacket. And I'm like, he was still got information that was accurate. He just is not a visual seer. So if you're not a visual seer, sometimes it's harder to point that out. Um, but for me, you know, the November incident in Jump Girl was pretty significant. I actually never talked really. I mean, I would mention it, but I never wrote about it. I never talked about it in detail until I wrote my book because I knew even then that it was going to be a book. Actually, my spirits told me when I had the November incident that I would write books, that I would be on television. And I was like going like, this was like 20 years ago. Okay. So I'm living in rural Vermont with dial-up internet. Um, <laughs> and for those of you who don't know what dial-up is, you have not lived rurally enough. Um, <laughs> um, but, you know, I was like, then why am I here? And they also told me that everything would come out of Vermont. This was the first time in my life where precognitive ability was not something I was doing myself, but somebody else was telling me. Because my abilities are separate. Like I communicate with the dead and I'm a precognitive person. Um, so I couldn't figure it out. So I blew a lot of things up in my mind, which people often do when they get a psychic reading. So for one thing, they told me that I was going to have a school. And at the time, Harry Potter was really big. So in my mind, I was trying, and they told me it'd be a brick building. So I was like trying to imagine how I was going to afford to build this building. Okay. I've been in two brick buildings that I've taught out of. Let's just put it that way. My mm -hmm. office now is a brick, big old brick building. Going back to the, you know, the piece in which I created my own plan. So one of the things my spirits were able to tell me that gave me some peace is that even when they did things that were trying, you know, where I felt like I was being tested, Adam would say something like, I'm sorry, Sally, but this is how you wanted us to do it. And when he would say that, I would know that he was right because I am a jump girl. I am a sink or swim, throw me in the deep end and I'm going to find my way out. And mm -hmm. so I learned best that way. So every time I was even frustrated with it, I couldn't be frustrated because I knew it was true. I would hear it and I'd be like, oh, I did create this plan. I did <laughs> create that these things would be in place. I do want to add though, that my first public publishing house, North Atlantic Press, started in Vermont. It was based in California, but the origins were Vermont. I literally got that contract because I had um, Robert Simmons, who wrote the Book of Stones, came to my home in Vermont and had a reading with me and then introduced me to my publisher. Mm. My current publishing company is Inner Tradition, which is just based in Vermont. <laughs> so I'm like, huh, I didn't even know these things existed at that time. Mm. So Spirit speaks to us, and I think a lot of us don't listen. But spirit is speaking to all of us. Like where you said, we all have these abilities. Yes, we do, to some degree. Just like everybody can do art, but not everybody is going to be a fine artist. 
Yeah, I would like to speak to that. Um, when you get a reading with Sally, she'll often you'll often um, recommend to record it. And I've listened back to the recordings, you know, a year later sometimes. And some things that didn't, I'm like, ah, you know, I don't know what that means. A year later, you're like, oh, there it is. That exact thing is, you know, happened. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, you know, like you said, um, sometimes it's not in your awareness right away. And Spirit speaks in metaphors and we can put the puzzle pieces together. Learning your own symbolism is really important. It's one of the things I tell my students is that getting books on symbolism are cool, but that first, what is your symbolism? What do you think when you see a box? What do you think when, you know, you get three red lights in a row? What do you think when, you know, like, and then have those books on symbolism or dream interpretation, um, I tell my students to develop this in their symbolic language. Mm-hmm. So one of the great books that's out there is called The Women's Encyclopedia of Signs and Symbols. And it's not just for women, but it was written during the 70s or 80s. So it was definitely during the women's lip movement because I was always like, why is this just for women? Mm-hmm. Um but it's a big book and it's filled with different symbols from all over the world. And it's by Barbara Walker, I think is her name. But um, I used to just go through it when I was in my twenties and stuff. Sometimes I would just go through a couple pages a day. I'd sit with it. I'd think about those symbols. And what I was doing was I was adding to the vocabulary in which spirit could communicate with me. So, like, I've learned the runes, which I have a very deep love for, and for Norse magic. Um, and I have, I, I just love, I know the Oam. I have, like, studied different symbolic books. And, but when I, but it's more like programming your brain to be able to receive than it is necessarily having to look everything up. It's that gets you to the point where you can trust your intuition more because, you feel it, you know, you feel that you got that psychic hit. And we all experience that, but we've been trained to doubt ourselves. That's why the best thing that I, I came in, I am an older soul and I know that. And I came in with a really good plan. Like I had a teacher at birth. I had a partner in that because my sister and I are best friends. We work together. We, um, you know, and I, met my husband when I was 18 years old. So who I had a lot of opportunity to be able to stay home as a stay at home mom and study, you know? So like I, my kids were my top priority, but I had a lot of time that I could, you know, sit with the tarot or sit with whatever it was I was studying. And I really think that I was given a lot of luxuries in that way, that I was given a very supportive nest, if you will, to develop my gifts. I never thought that this would be my career. So for all of my own psychic abilities, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a fashion designer or um, I thought about a model. I thought about all these different things. And most of it was based on the fact that even as a child, I knew that I would someday be famous. when you're a kid you don't know what that means I certainly didn't think I would be known for talking to dead people and (laughs) 
<laughs> Growing up in the 70s in Northern New Hampshire, be like, you know, I think that everybody's going to know me because I write books and talk to dead people. <laughs> so we never know. Our interpretation of the future is not always exact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it calls in a lot of patience. Mm-hmm. And learning timeline, Jesse, you brought up that sometimes things happen later. Learning timeline is the most difficult thing in developing psychic ability when it comes to precognitive ability. Because in my early days, there were a lot, I did a lot of work that I didn't have to do for five or 10 years mm-hmm. because I knew it had to happen and I'd be busting my ass. Now I'm thankful though, because it means I have a lot of half done things that I can just. <laughs> that's such a valuable thing to do in life in general just like mm-hmm. that, that came up in a conversation we were having with uh, another guest like you don't always have to run with everything that comes through right away right like, let it marinate sometimes yes for sure in learning how like in many ways, when it comes to timeline, I had to develop my own imagery to help me to do that, you know, and actually being a medium helped me a lot more because spirit, so spirits communicate differently. Um, it taught me a lot about the difference between introverts and extroverts. Extroverts are the talkers. So they're the spirits that are literally talking to you, telling you a story with extroverted spirits. I can often say their words exactly or I will find myself holding my body in a posture that's like them, or I know that they talked with their cigarette all the time, or um, introverted spirits communicate more through imagery and emotion. And this actually made me a better partner. Mm. It made me better teacher to people who, when it came to relationships, because like my husband's very introverted. And I'm very extroverted. So if we got into a discussion and I said something and wanted a really deep answer, I would often get things like, I don't know, whatever. It doesn't matter to me. I'm sure that there's a bunch of people out there who can relate to this. And what I realized from working with spirit was that introverted people need to have time to process their experience from a visual emotional experience to a word experience where extroverts we've got dialogue like in our head rehearsing it all the time Mm -hmm. so yeah spirits communicate differently Mm -hmm. and even with that not all spirits are like when somebody's doing spirit communication it's not just the ability of the medium it's also the ability of the spirit because some spirits are really good at it and some spirits are not. And usually mm. the ones that aren't also struggled with communication in life as well. They were, you know, their family isn't surprised. Mm-hmm. I have a question about spirit. So, you know, there's, I think there's a pretty common belief that spirit, when we're communicating with spirit, is somehow like stuck between realms or that it is like, unpleasant or you know there's like this kind of um I don't know I worked in a in a um in a town called Casadega Florida which you might be familiar with and it's a pretty intense space and place and I think um there's more of a a dark energy there from my experience it's a spiritualist community yes yes and it's like the sister town to Lilydale which is in New York yeah 
And there was this vibe and kind of like, I kind of gathered that there's almost this energy of like stuckness to the spirits that, that are being communicated with there. And so I'm curious what your, you know, beliefs and perspective and like insights are into that. So first of all, spiritualism is a Christian based um, form of spirit communication. I am not that. Um, and a lot of mediums are though, that they can get an education through the spiritualist church. Um, I have never met a spirit that's been to heaven and I've never met a spirit that's been to hell. I do think that spirits can get stuck, but the majority of spirits are not. So to me, a ghost is a spirit that does not know that they are dead. And I do run into those. Usually it involves, um, a haunted house, or something like that. And I do not do entertainment, haunted house stuff. I help families who have spiritual experiences happening in their house that are disturbing. And in true, I do that maybe five to 10 times a year. Okay. Some years or more. I've had times where it was like, holy shit, I've got like five people with these problems now. But even with that, my first question to people who are having those experiences is, do they have somebody living in their house who has a mental illness or somebody who is going through puberty? Because a lot of poltergeist activity is actually created by a living person who's having a hard time expressing themselves and their energy is going all over the place. I can be like that. If I you know, I remember coming home maybe five or six years ago and maybe it was more than that because I was still working on the road and my family didn't know that I was seeing clients in the house the next day. So I come in late at night, the house is a mess because I've got two teenagers and I'm pissed and I start frantically cleaning. And then I had to stop myself because things were literally falling off the shelf at me. And that was because my energy was just like... <laughs> Okay. So, um, but going back to trapped spirits, there are spirits who meet their end unprepared. Usually it involves either a acute trauma or that the person was struggling with depression or, um, was somehow lost in transition. Okay. So, <coughs> excuse me. Um, <coughs> Adam, for example, was not stuck, but for a short amount of time, he didn't realize he was dead because he got malaria. Actually, that's how he died in Costa Rica. Mm. And he was delirious. And so he had been in and out of this state of delirium. And he didn't actually know the moment that he crossed into spirit until his grandfather came to get it. Okay. Almost always there is a spirit that comes to get somebody, you know, it is usually a loved one. Um, and there are spirits that hold that role in the afterworld. Usually every family has one. They're like the family matriarch or patriarch. Jesse is probably your great grandma. She's going to be there until everybody gets there. And then I personally believe in reincarnation. So I, what happens when we cross into spirit is that the volume gets turned down. That's the first thing that happens to somebody, the volume of their emotions. So thinking of emotions on a volume dial of zero to 10, all of this stuff is in spirit speaker. So people want to know more about this is really educational and it's not a huge book either. So um, unlike Path of Elemental Witchcraft, which is a totally- Yes, like 560, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So volume gets turned down. If you imagine our emotions on a scale of zero to 10, most people go through life with their emotions set at about four or five. Somebody struggling with anxiety and depression might be as high as an eight or a nine. Okay. When we die, that dial gets turned down to about a two, which allows us to analytically process the things of our life. And we go into this review state. Okay. And if you're a well-adjusted spirit, you know, then the review state is not something that you're stuck in. It's more of like, you can come in and out of it and you can visit your family. You're very aware of the fact you're dead. Um, there's no time, no space when you're dead. So waiting 40 years for your partner could go by in a blink of an eye for you. Um, you can visit your child in Vermont and your child in California like that. Okay. There's, there's that. Um, when somebody goes to their death with a lot of trauma or unresolved issues, they go into what I call timeout. And kind of like when a kid has been naughty and you put them in the timeout chair so they can reflect on their actions and how those actions affect other people as well as themselves. The spirit that goes into timeout has very little contact with other spirits. Okay. They're having a deep dive into a review of their life and they're seeing it from all perspectives. So they're not just seeing themselves being beaten as a child, if that's their story. They're also seeing their dad and why he did it and the damage that happened to him and how much their dad hated them himself after doing it, but had no control. Do you know what I mean? Like they're getting to fill in the blanks of what went wrong in their story, whether it was by their hands or somebody else's. Some people can get trapped because they are so traumatized or so afraid of dying that they do get stuck in an in-between state. I don't do entertainment haunted things because my grandmother would kick my butt. If I went into like, for example, like some ghost hunter things will go into like an insane asylum. I'd be spending my time doing crossing overs the whole time. In fact, one of my friends who's a medium, um, not a professional one, she, she works in mental health. She used to live near the, um, mental hospital in Waterbury, Vermont, when she was a young woman. And she joked that she used to have to do Friday night crossovers because when you're a medium, you put off a lot more light. That's the best way of talking about it. your luminosity is brighter. So more spirit activity happens around you. So natural mediums are people who come in and they don't have a choice on whether they're going to be a medium or not. I was one of those people. I had my first experience with spirit when I was three months old and I don't remember it, but my grandmother would always tell me about it. Um, which means that I didn't have a choice on whether I was going to see spirits or not. Uh, so a natural medium, like I, I tell people, like if you have a haunted house and you have nobody living in the house that is a medium, nothing will happen. If a person, one medium moves in, Everybody in the house can experience things because the medium is like a battery. Okay. A medium is like a conduit that energy that transforms energy from the living world to that of spirit and makes it so the spirit has the energy that they need to do things. And it takes a lot of 
energy for a spirit to physically move things. So if that's happening, the spirit is really trying to get somebody's attention. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a tangent person. So if I'm taking you way off where you guys thought you were talking to me about. Hey everyone, it's Saturn. And I am so excited to invite you to join the Living Remembrance Retreat that I'm hosting April 21st through the 25th. Living Remembrance is a four-night, five-day immersion I've created for families with children under the age of six based on the teachings shared in Michelin Duclef's book, Hunt, Gather, Parent, What Ancient Cultures Can Teach Us About Raising Happy, Helpful Children. Nestled in the beautiful jungle of Nayarit, Mexico, along the Pacific Ocean, we will come together to remember what it feels like to live in tune with the laws of nature, to play as part of a community, and to hear the calling of our own hearts. Through free expression and felt safety, your children will see themselves as a part of the whole. Parents will have time to connect with one another, practice mindfulness, and loosen the reins that the pressures of society have placed on us. Do you feel the call? Do you know that there are other parents out there just like you who believe there is a better way? This is your invitation to step more fully into the life you want for your family and to reclaim the harmony and power of parenthood. To learn more, go to rebirthcare.com forward slash living remembrance. Rebirth is spelt R-E-B. E-A-R-T-H, rebirthcare.com forward slash living remembrance. See you in the jungle. I think um, a lot of the magic uh, that I've experienced from you is, you know, yes, in the things specific to me, but also just in um, hearing your beliefs um, and what you believe in and how you perceive the world. Um, and so I'm really curious at our time left, if you would share, uh, kind of about where we are at in the world, um, and your perspective of that. Okay. I'm a very optimistic person. Okay. Um, I know without a shadow of a doubt that I am here at this time on purpose and that I'm here to be boots on the ground. And I believe that most that a lot of us are, particularly people who identify as old souls. We didn't come in on accident this time. We came in to make a shift. I also took part in writing um, a anthology called The Corona Transmissions. It came out in the beginning of 2020, um, right after, I think it came out in May of 2020, so right after the pandemic started. And it was a compilation of work between astrologers, psychics, and thinkers and writing about what they thought this time was and this pandemic happening was. And most of us were on the same page. And what we see is that, you know, and I'm saying we, I'll say what I see is a, um, that when we think of quantum physics and we think of multiple lifetimes or multiple things happening at once, and some of them, you know, you might have chosen a different topic you wanted me to talk about, or I could have come wearing a yellow sweater instead of a blue sweater. Okay. Really simple changes. But within that concept is this belief and astrology really linked up with this too, that we have these two realities that are 
running side by side with each other. Okay. And I referred to them. I had a experience with psilocybin in 2000. It's right before I actually got my first book contract. And one of the things was like 2016, I think. Um, and I clearly saw this as two vision, two worlds. One of them that I called order, which was power and power over. So it is a place where most people who are falling into that belief system are falling into a place of fear, whether it's either I don't have enough, so I have to have power over you, or I am powerless and fearful all the time. Okay. The other one, which I called green, <laughs> was this because that made me think of how living organisms work and how you know we're all connected and that there is a huge amount of people who've come in that are entering this more like this green reality in which we know we have to work collaboratively we have to be part of the change we have to change our consciousness um so we're, we've got these two parallel tracks and what we're finding is people, this is, I've really been watching this since 2020, is that there's a lot of separation happening in families and communities based on which part, which belief system you fall into. So in my mind, how I envision this is that I am diminishing in that fear-based order reality. Sally Crow doesn't really exist very strongly in that part. Whereas I have family members and friends who have been swallowed up by fear, who are literally disappearing from my life. Like I don't have very much contact with them. They don't want to be part of my life, you know? So in the other world, I'm probably the one that doesn't want to be part of their life because I don't want to sink into it. So that's kind of how I view what's happening. And I view that we have the capability to really make change. And a lot of it has to happen through consciousness expansion. I believe we're going through a psychic evolution in which more and more people are becoming psychic. And what I joke about is that not everybody wakes up happy. So waking up or awakening is fine and dandy if you've been planning for it. But I experience a lot of people who suddenly find themselves overwhelmed because they're so empathic and they don't even know what that is. You know, they were happy with their day-to-day -day life and going to Walmart on the weekend. And now they're suddenly feeling everybody's feelings and they feel like they're crazy. So those of us who are more aware and who've chosen this are going to be called more and more into positions of being wisdom keepers in which we have to help other people adjust. And part of how we do that is through love, art, magic, community. You know, I don't believe that we're all going to die off. I think a lot of people are going to die. Okay, that's, that's a no-brainer. But the planet's way overpopulated anyway, so that's a big problem. Um, but I also feel like there is a huge amount of powerful souls that are alive right now. And people have chosen to come in with their spirit tribe in this lifetime.
So, you know, like they are connecting with other people who help them to feel empowered. At least if you're in that green collective over there, you made a plan to basically be like, who are the souls that I've played with throughout time that help me step into my power? Mm-hmm. So I feel really optimistic. I feel like we're going to see some amazing changes in consciousness. I also feel like sound and light are two of the big things that are going to transform people in the next 10 years. Like we're going to find that medicine makes a deep dive. I've been a sound healer for 20 years. Now seeing all of the people who are becoming sound healers, like when I did it, there was one thing that I found on the internet after six months of me doing it because I remember doing it in Egypt in a past life. And now it is so breaking, it's breaking bounds on its ability to be used as a modality. So yeah, I'm optimistic. And I think that the people who are change makers who are here now that we like to do that, Like when I was a little girl, I would have this thought stuck in the back of my head. And I think there's even a song that uses the lyrics that might have come out in the 70s or 80s. But it says, I have seen the fall of Rome. And I have repeated that in my head so many times because I know that I am a spirit that likes to come in when times are changing. I like to see par diems breaking down and being rebuilt. I like being part of the change. I am totally excited about the ability for humanity. If we, I think that one of you guys said this already, if we all started feeling each other and learning what that means, because yeah, we're feeling each other, but now we have to educate each other because most people are just seeing that as mental illness, not as a evolutionary growth. Mm-hmm. I think there's so much of that happening where we are just like educating one another. It's a big yeah. movement, I think. And I think that that's a big part of it too. Like when you live collectively, you have to get out of the mindset that we've been programmed into that is competitive. Mm-hmm. You know, because I know that I'm not the right person for everybody, just like none of you guys are, you know, but chances are we're the right people for some people, you know, and, but we've been raised with a mentality that success is competitive and that it requires us to constantly be moving forward. That's one of the things I reevaluate a lot. Like I'm a really, my brain is full. It's on fire most of the time with ideas. But when I'm doing things, I've gotten better about asking myself if I really need to be the person that does this, or if I just need to talk about it until someone else wants to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. somebody who's going to put more of themselves into it than I will because I've got too much stuff I'm already doing. Right. Sometimes mm-hmm. when we are those channels, we just know what needs to happen. And so if we have a more collaborative relationship with each other, we aren't going to get jealous if somebody else does something similar to what we were thinking about. I mean, that's really how we describe why shamans all the, over the world use many of the same techniques because they were all receiving it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was an open channel. It's why writers. Like as a writer, when I first started writing The Path of Elemental Witchcraft, there was hardly anything 
really that was out there. Now, all of a sudden, I'm seeing tons of stuff on elemental magic, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, I don't think it's because other people, you know, stole my ideas. I think we're all tapped into the same consciousness and it's bound to happen that some of us get the same ideas at the same time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Wow. Well, I have to say, I've just like had this really beautiful um, experience of just valuing life and looking forward to death in this conversation. And (laughs) that's beautiful. Both are great. Both are great. (laughs) You know what sucks? Transition. Transition is what gets us. I mean, let's face it. Nobody actually likes the moment of birth. Okay. It's not fun for the baby. It's certainly not fun for the mama who's pushing that baby out. But as soon as it's over, we realize that we just entered into this new way of being and it's amazing and beautiful and death can be the same way. And when we, one of my personal goals, not only as a medium, as a healer, is that when we begin to have a living relationship with our dead, we will fear death less. We will accept that our spirits are talking to us and supporting us all the time. And we will grow as people. And also this isn't a new thing, you know, like I've had Japanese exchange students three different times. And one of them compared me to a Shinto priest when he stayed at my house because he saw what I did. And he was like, Oh, you're like a Shinto priest. And I was like, yeah, I kind of am. So if we look at the culture, There's so many ways, you know, and we have to reclaim our relationship with the dead because we'll be less lonely. Mm. We can live more freely. Yeah. Being afraid of death. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Eleanor, I didn't hear anything. Do you have any questions? Just because I didn't hear your voice. (laughs) Right, right. I know. Um, (laughs) I don't know what to say because because so much of this, I was just soaking, soaking in. And, um, I'm having a very intense experience today that you were speaking to directly. And so I, I just didn't have words and I still don't really. And I'm, I've just been like, over over here almost crying this whole time so that's what's been happening for me and we've just been doing a lot of (laughs) head bobbing yeah yeah Um, that's okay I I actually joke and say that I should have made an investment in the Kleenex company because part of my life is making other people cry (laughs) (laughs) yeah no it's it's hitting me um exactly it's it was supposed to be today Mm -hmm. of course um and I'm just I'm just very thankful I think uh, I think so. So I, I got your book, um, a couple when it came out pretty much, <laughs> pretty much I got the book. And I think the thing that I really just, especially keyed into at the very beginning was just the idea that, that I could be, what happens if I just assume that I can be hearing more, that I can be listening more, that there is more that is coming in than I am actually like um, acknowledging, recognizing, um, naming, looking at uh, all of those things. And I I think, you know, that 
is just uh, something that I really appreciate about reading that. And, and I, I, yeah, I think I'm just really super appreciative of the normalizing that of, of, of all of this. That's actually got to be quite honest. Like after my Gaia episode, I wasn't sure what kind of clients I would attract because, you know, there's a lot of way out shows on that channel as well. Um, and not that I have a problem with that, but actually most people have been started by bringing into the conversation that I was the most normal medium they had ever come across that, you know, I mean, I was on the school board for nine years, so I'm pretty solid. Um, <laughs> but, and that that was it is like normalizing it because it wasn't really dramatic and it wasn't really like, Oh, this only happens to these people. It's like, no, it's probably happening to everybody. Mm -hmm. And we just, and yes, some people are going to be better at it, but some people are better at music and some people are better at art and some people are better at math. Um, and I also like to point out that supernatural is still natural. Mm -hmm. It's just more of it. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Mm. I think there's so many more questions, but <laughs> yeah, I know, me too. Um the hard part is I could just talk forever. <laughs> I, I still yeah. no, I know, right? Um I think maybe I, I'll just add this other piece to it, just what, what's been going on for me is that um just this recognition of this past life in which I did when my abilities were happened so suddenly and were so strong that um, I did go crazy. Yeah, me too. And I've done uh, that. Been there, done that. Not fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and 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 that, um, and because of that, because of like having that knowing um, of of like that possibility, like coming into this life with this feeling of like, okay, well, like. You can go there, but it doesn't have to go like that. <laughs> yeah. I have been watching people evolve. And one of the things that I have been working with probably for the last six months in my healing work is people who are working on their persecution wounds. And being put in a mental hospital doesn't mean you were really crazy. It means somebody told you you were crazy. Somebody, you know, like I have past lives where my power was fully appreciated. I have past lives where I had to hide inside of a church because the only way that it was acceptable to have those gifts was if you're a person of God. I've had lives in which I was, you know, considered crazy. You know, um, I do a lot of past life work with people. And because that's the other part of being in the time we're in is that that's what 5D is. 5D is not just now we have this expansion where we can feel each other's emotions, but we're also feeling ourselves as multiple. So the wounds that we have from past lives are prevalent, you know, and I work with past lives around something that I call triangulation, which is two lives that are currently affecting the life that you're having right now. So some of your fears, some of your goals might be connected to those things that are in line. And that is something that can change. So what you're triangulating with now might have been different than what you were triangulating with at 12 or when you're 50. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah we'll, Ooh, we'll just have to have another conversation. All right. Right. 
Well, mm. one of the, the closing questions we have is um, what you are, what are you celebrating right now? Oh, I'm celebrating my um, 30th wedding anniversary. That's one of the things I'm celebrating right now on February 20th. I, I mean, I met my husband was 18 years old. He was 19. And I remember that I was afraid to date him because I knew and I thought it'd be 11 years because I couldn't think a lifetime, but I knew that I'd be with him for a long time and I wasn't ready for that. But thankfully I was smart enough to do it anyways, um, because that's what I'm celebrating. So that's my big thing, um, that I'm personally celebrating. Awesome. Happy anniversary. Yeah. Thank you. I'll be, I'll be hopping on a plane to Belize on your anniversary. So I'll be thinking. I'm going to Ireland for two weeks, end of April, beginning of May. Um, with my children and my grandchildren, and I am staying on a 750 acre estate. So I'm going to have plenty of private time in weird Irish Ooh. forest. Ooh. And I cannot wait. Yeah. So enjoy Belize. Yes, you too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, awesome. And is there any way that our listeners can find you or anything you'd like to sure. share with our listeners that you're offering? Um, they can find me at sallycrow.com. So that's S-A-L-I-C-R-O-W.com. And they can find me on Facebook under Sally Crow Psychic Medium. Sally Crow is one word, psychic medium. I'm on Instagram as Sally Crow. Um, my book, my next book, Spirit Speaker, comes out April 18th. And here's just a little thing. If you order, pre-order through Inner Traditions, not Amazon, you may get your book before me. last year when the path of elemental witchcraft came out i had clients who were getting my book before i got my case of authors books i actually went and ordered a book off of inner traditions website and got it before i got my case of books because as soon as it hit their warehouse they were just sending it out so it was out like a month before people actually got it through amazon so you might get at the beginning of april if you pre-order through inner traditions i'm going to no (laughs) me too (laughs) yeah so maybe we'll chat after the book comes out you guys have gotten a chance to take a look at it yeah great yeah all right well thank you for doing this ladies this is this was a lovely time yeah thank you so much thank you for listening to the teaching your ways podcast with eleanor jesse and saturn this is a labor of love wow what a privilege it is to have you all here on this journey with us listening and taking your time to join us on this journey we are on um we get to hear fabulous stories from amazing people and your participation your um commitment to being here and taking the time out of your day to listen means the world to us Mm, yeah and we would so appreciate if you would take the time to rate us to give us some stars on spotify or leave a comment or follow and subscribe to share this podcast with loved ones because we all know with every single time this podcast is shared it reaches a few more people and that means the world to us and we just want to thank you again for your time for your feedback for your inspiration and for sitting in circle with us this podcast is a living practice and we are so grateful to have you
from this tribe with us. Many blessings. Ooh.